It's good to be with you. And uh, isn't the word wonderful? Amen. But it's, it's not just an information thing. We want to get information, but if that information doesn't change the way we live, then it's not doing what it's supposed to do, because uh, what did God say through Isaiah? That my word will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what its purpose to do, and its purpose is to make us godly. Its purpose is to uh, help us to become everything that God wants us to be. And I was thinking earlier, uh, when I talked about the army raising up, uh, we are a weird army. We advance, well, that too. We are, I mean, you know, uh, what's the, in the King James, uh, Peter says that we're a peculiar people. And uh, some are more peculiar than others, but that doesn't matter, because God uses who he uses. But we advance on our knees with a towel and basin in our arms. We are praying servants. And so let's pray and ask God to speak. Lord, Lord, we ask you to speak. Uh, the only thing that's really important here this morning is through our fellowship, our worship, whatever it is that you speak to us and you change us and you make us more of what you want us to be. And so do that during this time. Work in the children as has been prayed for. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, about a year, year and a half ago, uh, I guess we're always kind of seeking the Lord for, what is it that you have for us? What is our place in the kingdom? And the Lord said to me, you're to be a servant. And uh, that's been something he's been continuing to speak to me about. Now, anyone who knows much about the Bible knows we're supposed to be servants. And so you might be saying, John, if that's what you came up from Harrisburg to tell us today, well, duh, we already knew that. And uh, uh, so uh, I hope that we'll develop on that a little bit. We wanna talk about serving effectively today. And uh, as I was, as God was speaking to me, this familiar scripture comes to mind and it's one that I think needs to be continually drilled into us. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first will be your slave. And so for God to be calling us to be servants, we're in really good company because I understand from theologians who are smarter than I am that as, you know, Paul at the beginning of his letters, Paul an apostle, Paul this, Paul that, and the late, latest of the letters that he wrote, it was Paul a servant. Paul a servant. There was a, a development that happened in there and so God has been continuing to speak to me about that. And uh, guys, I don't know if this is a word for you, but it was a word for me. You learn to serve at home. So parish your to-do list, it's part of the process. Uh, but we learn to serve at home. And I, I got a long way to go in that particular area. But he's calling us to be servants. Now, even though that's something that, that we know and I know, to just keep that in the back of my mind gives perspective when I minister. If I'm going to go someplace to minister and share the word, in the back of my mind I'm saying, okay, how will this, how's this today gonna help Pastor Steve? How's it gonna help the people of Hillside? 
How's it going to help advance the kingdom? And I want you to know very clearly that when I come someplace that uh, I'm always asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what do you want shared on that particular day with that particular group? You know who's gonna be there. I don't even know all the people there. I know some of you. Uh, but Lord, what is it that you wanna do? And it helps to bring even more perspective. Lord, what you wanna do is what's going to serve those that, um, that we're going to be with. And that applies not only when I share the word, but when I run into people. When I'm involved in a mentoring meeting with someone who may have asked for mentoring, it, it's a matter of, Lord, what is it that I can do that will help them to fulfill the vision God's given them, to help them to um, fulfill the goals that you've given to them? How is it that even in a chance meeting, can I say something to edge someone along, to encourage them, to maybe agitate them a little bit, to move them along? Now, what this means for me, and maybe not for you, is it means I need to be thinking, not, Lord, you know, I got my goals today. I need to get this done and this done and this done and this done. And so help me to get out of this meeting as soon as I possibly can because I need to get to that stuff. And what I need to be asking is what I heard someone say in some meetings a few years ago. When we're someplace to ask ourselves, where am I? Why am I here? And to do that, we need to be willing to listen. God's called me to talk. I need to learn to listen. And listen, who are they? Where are they at at this particular point in time? And is there something that you could do through me that would help them to move on with that process? What might be the thing? And that's true of everybody. It's not just with people who lead worship or teach Sunday school or, or stand up there. All of us, God wants to use us. Carrie and I have this friend, we really like him. Uh, want a church in Harrisburg we serve on the mission committee with and we frequently go there and uh, he's from Brooklyn. And I mean, man, he's a Brooklyn guy. And every time that there's a meeting and you talk about what can we do to do this, he talks about eating. <laughs> we were looking at having a Saturday afternoon where they'd put a sign out front and let people know if you'd like prayer, there's people here to pray for you. And Jimmy said, let's offer food. <laughs> now think about that. Are you gonna drive in there specifically to get prayer? Some might, but to get a dog. <laughs> and while you're there, and coffee. Uh, you might come in there and do that. Now, Jimmy not only mentions food, he will cook the food, or he will volunteer his wife to cook the food, and often he will pay for the food. But it's something that God's placed in him, and you all know that food is something that we like to do, and food will gather people together. So, you know, whoever we are, whatever we may do, well, as I was Looking uh, to come here on Sunday, and I've been praying about it for a number of weeks, uh, my wife will tell you I like to get things done ahead of time. 
and doing a lot of preparations right now. I'm helping teaching in an online Bible college in India over Zoom, and so I'll get these assignments like six of the minor prophets, and I have one hour, and that includes translation. Uh, so getting it concise, it's been really a good practice, but I'm doing all those and preparing for messages here. Sometimes I really struggle with, God, what do you want me to say? In fact, I don't know about other people that share the word, but the hardest part of a sermon for me in preparation is finding out what God wants me to share. Once you know what God wants you to share, you can begin to study that particular topic or go to scriptures that you understand. Now this is a side sermon. Just take this and put it aside as part of it. Pray for the people who share the word here whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's back with the children, whether it's in a small group. Pray for the people who are leading worship. It's just not a matter of, well, I can go find five songs and we'll do those on Sunday morning, but God, what do the people need that day? What can we share that will help take people into the presence of God? And I wanna tell you that for someone who preaches, when the worship team does their job well, there's a splash of anointing on the platform before you ever get there. It makes a difference. And so anybody who's doing any kind of ministry, pray for them because they need to know what God wants them to do. And so uh, uh, a few weeks ago, Carrie and I were taking a cold walk. Uh, we, when everything shut down with the pandemic, we discovered that if we bundle up, there aren't too many days that we can't walk outside. And so we were walking and I was struggling with what should be shared with this message and I had some ideas I wanted to share which I'm going to get to but uh, we, we, well we pray when we walk that, that kind of helps too because you're not thinking about how cold it is and we're thinking about what God wants to say and, um, and as we were praying the verse that I, that's up on the screen right now came to me and I thought that is the keystone the piece that's going to put all of this together and so what I wanted to share was from 1 Corinthians, and I want to share it from a servant point of view. And you might think, uh, 1 Corinthians, serving? Isn't that a book where Paul just deals with all the problems that a church has and takes care of them? But we need to understand why he's dealing with those problems. And I'm, I don't have time to get into it now, but the end of chapter nine, read that this afternoon. I believe that's the key to the whole book of 1 Corinthians on I'm gonna do whatever it is, I'm gonna become anything for anybody. But, but 1 Corinthians, it, it talks about, um, what talks about overdue denominational pride. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter. And then the real spiritual ones, well, I'm Christ. And you know, we ought to be, you know, we ought to be happy with and proud about what our particular church or denomination uh, believes, but it can go too far. None of this, my Bill Johnson can beat up your John MacArthur. And it's almost what it sounds like sometimes. There's, there's a piece. He talks about sexual immorality. He talks about dealing with conflict in the church. He talks about eating meat sacrificed to idols. That's not a problem most of us have in this country anymore, but the teaching that emerges out of it tells us so much. And so you think, boy, this church had problems. Well, they were also perhaps the most gifted church Paul wrote to. 
interesting combination there. They uh, are filled with, I'm, I'm with the best church. I don't know if any, are any of you familiar with the Babylon Bee? Babylon Bee goes a little bit too far with some things, I think, sometimes, but they often, in a sarcastic way, declare the truth of what's going on. And the other week, they had one with a guy sitting in front of a computer, and the caption line was, man gets saved, reading Christians disagreeing with each other on the internet. (laughs) There's a message there, isn't there? (laughs) They communicated loud and clear what they wanted to say. People on social media, some of the things that you think just ought to stay here. (laughs) Think about who's reading that stuff out there. Talks about people who are saying, you know what? I have the very right to eat that food that's been sacrificed to idols and it's my right and it's my freedom and it's my liberty and I really don't care how it impacts someone else. Sexual immorality, how are we helping the person we're being immoral with and what kind of testimony are we giving of the church? He even talks about spiritual gifts. And interesting, in between chapter 12 and chapter 14, which are tremendous teachings on the use of the spiritual gifts, probably they were house churches at that time, is John chapter 13. And interesting, or not John chapter 13, but 1 Corinthians 13, interesting, not in the context of a wedding. Great verses for a wedding, but in the context of the use of spiritual gifts. And I believe that part of what he was saying was this. It's great to be gifted. God's made us gifted. He wants us to use our gifts. But some people are more interested in other people seeing their spiritual gift than they are in serving with those gifts. You get what I'm saying? We get hung up on hearing ourselves talk. We get hung up on the using of our gifts, and he wants to use them, but he gives instruction in 1 Corinthians as to how it should be done and the etiquette of how that should be done and how that should work. Now, I want us to understand something. Paul is writing to a group of people that he anticipates are all in. He's writing to a group of people that he believes will be sold out for the kingdom of God and the advance of his kingdom. Can you imagine Paul thinking any differently? In reading through the book of Acts, the man amazes me. They lower him in a basket outside the wall so that they don't come and hurt him and he's out preaching the next day. They throw him in prison. He gets out, he's preaching the next day. He's in prison at midnight in one of these horrible dungeons in a first century prison, joyously singing hymns at midnight. I think I might be saying, Lord, help me sleep so I can forget this miserable place. Paul is singing and worshiping and, 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 and as a result of that, The jailer in his household, which was more than just his family, but those that worked for him, were converted. He's shipwrecked, winds up shipwrecked on this island. They didn't even know where it was, and he's leading all these people to the Lord. So Paul was all in. So for him to think that Christians would not be all in would make no sense to him. 
And I want you to know that as I share today, I'm sharing from that perspective because I believe that's the perspective that this scripture comes from. And uh, as we continue here, though, there's a couple of verses I want to talk about. First, I want to mention that the uh, Bible translators, at least in the NIV, have put everything as permissible for me in parentheses. And the reason they did that is that because they believed that Paul had gotten information from them and they asked him some questions. And so one of their questions probably was, isn't everything permissible? I mean, can I do anything? I mean, I'm saved now, can I do anything? And uh, so I'm not sure what they were going to do. Uh, what were they thinking? I'm free, I can do ever what I want. I'm sorry, I couldn't find a picture on that. The only, the only free stuff is good stuff, you know, so I couldn't find any. So I'm free, I'm saved. Is it okay if I, I can just do anything because someday I'm gonna go to heaven? Uh -oh. <laughs> well, that sermon's over. <laughs> or, how close can I get to the edge of the cliff that leads to hell without falling in? I don't know if that's what was going on and why they asked the question, but it's interesting. I don't think Paul ever answers their question. I can't prove this, but this is what I think he was thinking. Well, you may be right, but not everything is beneficial. There you go, Brian, I have to use that back one. I looked on this thing a while ago and I didn't think there was a forward thing because it's all worn out. I'm the only one that goes backwards. <laughs> everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I'll not be mastered by anything. And then later he repeats it again, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And so Paul doesn't specifically answer their question, but he says, well, maybe that's true, but everything might be permissible, but is everything beneficial? And he says that twice, that's an important one. And in the first one he adds, but not, I won't be mastered by anything. And then the second one, he says, not everything is constructive. So I want to take the bulk of the sermon talking about those three words, beneficial, mastered, and constructive. So as we begin to talk about the whole issue of something being beneficial, we want to do two things. First of all, we need to understand that we need the beneficial is that which is good. And we need to define good by the way God defines it. Because people are out there defining good in so many different ways today. I had, uh, when I was pastoring in Somerdale, one Saturday morning I had a lady call me and she said, uh, could you marry us this afternoon? And I said, well, I need to meet people, I take them through counseling before we do that. And she said, don't you want us to be happy? And I don't usually think quick on my feet, I really don't. I think the right answer for somebody when I'm not with them, you know, a half an hour later. And this popped into my mind, I said, I'm in the marriage business, not the wedding business. 
because in her mind, the thing that's good is we're gonna get married. Well, who knows what the circumstances of that thing were with only getting a phone call. And I'm sure, I could be wrong, but I'm sure they found someone that married them that afternoon. And so as we define good, we need to define good the way God does, and good the way God defines it is something that makes us more like Jesus and something that enables us to fulfill the destiny that we've been called to. And so the first part of being, for it being beneficial is that we want to become a deep well spiritually. We want to do that for ourselves. It, we, we want, and I, please understand I'm saying jogging is good, eating right is good, all those kind of things that can be good for us and part of the process. I'm not going to talk about those today. Um, you get those on blogs all week long and advertisements and that kind of thing and you can adjust those. But I'm talking about spiritually. We want to live the kind of life that is going to develop us to the point where we become spiritually mature the way God defines it. And when we become spiritually mature the way God defines it, we develop a wisdom that comes from God. There's no other way that we can get that wisdom. Now, I want us to understand that we don't automatically get that wisdom by how long we've been a Christian. In fact, in 1 Corinthians in chapter three, Paul talked about that wisdom in chapter two, and he said, I can't speak to you as those who are spiritual. He says, because of the divisions among you. Isn't that an interesting one? Because we get in our silos with our theological divisions and our denominations, and Paul says, when you're like that, I can't speak to you like you're spiritual people because you're in the flesh. But listen to what happens if we begin to become the kind of people that get the wisdom of God. In chapter two, verses nine and 10, he says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. If we are spiritual people and we become those kind of mature people that God wants us to become, we will begin to have downloaded to us a wisdom that only comes from God. It's in the word, but there's a revelation that comes in the word that comes by the spirit that cannot be gained naturally. When that happens to us, when that happens to us, we become a deep well. We become a deep well out of which he feeds our soul and our spirit, and we can become what he wants, but we also become a deep well out of which he can water other people. Now, it's just my opinion, but I'm gonna throw it out there. I think that when a lot of Christians are asking God to bless them, they're asking him to give them the same things the world wants. Now, it's okay if we get those things. I mean, if God gives those things, I mean, God, God gives to what he wants, but if that's, if that's the ultimate goal, if that's what we want, we just have a cleaned up version of the American dream. Don't we want to be a deep well? 
a deep well out of which we're getting deep stuff that we can't get any other way except from the Spirit of God, and a deep well out of which we can share things with other people that will lift them up to become what God wants. The uh, second part of this, and I've already alluded to it, is that we can help others become a deep well and fulfill their destiny. God will develop our spiritual gifts and use us to minister through them. Uh, my main gift is teaching or preaching, but my preaching and teaching is not so I get to stand up and do what I love to do. I love to do this. It's so people's lives will be changed. The worship was wonderful, the singing was beautiful this morning, but I'm sure their purpose wasn't just so you could hear them sing this morning, but to usher us into the presence of God where he could minister to us. Those that are teaching the children right now, those that we're greeting, the fellowship that we have with one another, all designed with the possibility that out of that, lives will be changed. And this morning, if your life has changed, it might be from the sermon, it might be from worship, it might be from some simple thing that somebody said to you when you walked into this building because God will use that, and he wants to use everything. It's interesting, Paul's incredible prayer in the beginning of Colossians, he talks about that we might walk worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. He says, the first thing after that, he says, bearing fruit in every good work. Imagine that, every good work that we do, God can use that to bear fruit for his kingdom. When I first became a pastor, the denomination I was in, in the district, I had the smallest church with members. There were a couple churches that had no members yet. I was the smallest one, and back in those days, I'm so thankful we don't ask these kind of questions anymore. You'd go to a pastor's meeting, and the first question out of their mouth when they met you was, how many do you have in your church? And so I'm anticipating that. Well, hey, here I am, bottom of the rung dude. And I walked in, and the assistant district superintendent looked at me and smiled and stuck his hand out and shook my hand, and he said, he said, welcome, preacher. That chokes me up to this day. A simple thing told me you belong to this group. You belong here. You're part of us. You're one of us. Sometime later, this same pastor's wife was having some women from the district that had some leadership, and Carrie was part of it. And she had these little cards made up about the size of a business card. And she had their name and the meaning on it. And uh, Carrie got that card, and the other week she was pulling it out, and she put it away someplace where she hadn't put it away before, and she couldn't find it. After 40 years, that card was still having a success, and she found it. <laughs> we didn't do anything for three days. We looked for that, no, not really. God showed her where it was. But imagine that, after 46 years, those two simple things continuing to have an impact. Why? Because of what the Spirit of God does. And he wants to use us as we are being involved with those things. And so, we want to live a life that's beneficial. But uh, then, he makes 
this statement. He says, I'll not be mastered by anything. When we live with a level of Christian liberty that says we can do anything, it means there may be something that will master us. It may be drugs, it may be alcohol, it may be gambling. I mean, I, I don't understand it, but I think on your phone you can gamble like 100 times on one game. You know, who's gonna score the first touchdown? How many yards are they gonna get on third down? I can't imagine anybody who's on those things has any money left, because they're all rigged so that you, don't, you don't, aren't the one that makes the money. It can be keeping up with the Joneses. In fact, anything can become an addiction if we're not careful. In this particular passage, Paul is talking about sexual immorality, and particularly with the prostitute, and he says, when you do that, because you are united with Christ, you drag him into that act. And I wonder if it's not true of other sins, that when we commit them because we're united with Christ, that we drag him into that. But here's the question. If I am mastered at some level by something, Will I be able to bring as much glory to God as I could if I weren't mastered by that? Will I have as effective a ministry? Will my life be the kind of example to believers and non-believers? Because the reality of the thing is, and we all know this, we minister out of the depth of the Spirit, not out of our charm and charisma. And I'm so glad that that happens because I don't have a lot of either one of those things. <laughs> and uh, so, and yet, here I am, married for 46 years to the most phenomenal woman. I don't deserve any of that, but that's another sermon. <laughs> that's a whole other sermon. And then, and then Paul says, not everything is constructive. It means edifies. We might be able to do anything we want to, and I don't think most of us believe we can, but we may think that we can do that. We may think that there's certain things that we can do and it won't make any difference, but let me ask the question, are those the kind of things that are building you into the person that God wants you to be? Are they? And that becomes a key issue. Paul says, yeah, you can do all those things, but they don't edify, they don't build. And, and let me just share a few things here of why we wanna make sure we're edifying, doing things that are constructive to us and others. First of all, God wants you and I to be everything he called us to be, in our being, our person, in our relationship to him. And he wants us to be the kind of person that fulfills the destiny that he's called us to before the creation of the world. He knew what he wanted us to do before we were ever born. And so if we feel like we don't have any charm and charisma, that's okay, God had a plan anyhow. <laughs> he had a plan anyhow, you know, that's just for the beautiful people. Second of all, second of all, God wants other people to be all that he wants them to be and to fulfill everything that God has in their destiny, and he wants to use you to help them to get there. And number three, considering both of those things, we are called to minister as a body. 
we accomplish more of what God has for us as a body. Every member is important. You may think this morning, well, my mouth is like the most important thing here this morning. If my feet weren't working, that wouldn't go so good. If my brain wasn't working, and especially, hopefully, my spirit's not working, it's not going to come through. Every one of us is important, and it's important for us to be building each other up so that together, under the vision that God's given the leadership of the church, we can together help to fulfill that. Now, that having been said, keeping that in perspective, and it's very important that we keep it into perspective, what's constructive? What are the, how can we live our life in a way where we are personally being edified. We're personally becoming more of what God wants us to be. We're personally becoming more effective in ministry. What are those things? If we live a life that says everything is permissible, will all those permissible things build it up? They may not even be bad things, as someone earlier said. They just may be things that are taking away from what we could be doing that will help build us up. And secondly, we want to be asking the questions, what can we do to build other people up? If we've got this lame-brained idea that, you know, our church is the best, and I hope you think your church is great. I mean, I, I see more people here every time I come, so there's something happening here that's really, really good. But don't understand that all the groups are necessary to fulfill the purpose of God. We will never fulfill the Great Commission. We will never reach the 7,000 unreached people groups by ourselves. It won't happen. And so we need everybody. Paul even tells them, you have disputes and you're going before the secular courts. I would rather be wronged than to go before unbelievers to demonstrate that kind of a testimony. And he said, you know, there, there's probably, yeah, we're gonna be ruling, we're gonna be ruling uni the universe someday. Don't you think there might be one or two people in the church smart enough to figure this out and unravel it? <laughs> Besides that, don't we want the spirit of God unraveling it as opposed to the spirit of the world? Uh, we need to be willing to do that. We don't, engage in immorality, number one, it doesn't help us any. We might think it does, but it does not help. It doesn't help the person we're with. It certainly doesn't help the testimony when people can take a look and say, well, the church is no different than the world. Why would I want to give up my Sunday morning sleep? Why would I want to give my time to those kind of things? And, and, and again, it's not an issue with us right now, but Paul made this statement, obviously was one who felt free to eat meat. He said, if my eating meat will cause someone to stumble, I'll never eat another piece of meat in my whole life. The reason for it is, is that Paul was all in for the kingdom and he's talking to a people that he wants to be all in for the kingdom and he's teaching them, you need to lay some of these things aside because of the kingdom. And we are in a time when we need to walk by the power of the Spirit 
to accomplish the things that there are. I don't know if you're watching the news in India, but uh, Modi, the prime minister, who's not been good for Christians in all the years he's been there, just dedicated a temple. And the goal, the goal with many of these Hindus is this, that no real Indian, every real Indian is a Hindu. And they may begin to want to make laws to make it a Hindu nation, which will affect Christians terribly. It will also affect the number three nation in the world for number of Muslims are Muslims, and it will begin to affect them as well. In fact, when Modi was president of, or, of the uh, state of Gujarat, there were a couple thousand Muslims that were massacred, and he did absolutely nothing about it. We look at nations like China, we look at Islamic nations, we look at other communist nations, North Korea as an example, and recognize that there are people in those places who desperately need to know Jesus. And so therefore, we need to be all in. We need to say, Lord, whatever you wanna do in my life, whatever you wanna do through my life, I wanna do that. I want to do that. It involves, we had talked about giving today. It involves, it can involve our giving. It can involve a lot of things. And, and just in culmination of this, what kind of building materials are we going to build with if we have an everything's permissible thing? Do we build, I'll go back to your turn later. We know the scripture, Paul says in 1 Corinthians again, if any man builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or stubble, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire. The good stuff gets refined in fire, the bad stuff burns up. And there may be some people who work really hard and think they can do whatever they want to do and find out that their hard work was wood, hay, and stubble. There may be people who have all that charisma, and if God gave you the charisma, praise God, allow the Spirit of God to take care of it, and think through our charm that, that we're going to accomplish something. We may find that all the accomplishments that looks like we accomplished in the world was nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. I've sometimes wondered, and this wouldn't be true of every large church, but I sometimes wonder if we're told to go and make disciples, I sometimes wonder if there's more disciples being made in small churches than there are in mega churches. And that's not, a, that's not a something I can say for sure, but we, we get so enamored with numbers and we wanna see more people come to Christ and we wanna do that, but we wanna see them become disciples. And so, uh, for me, these concepts are, I don't want to say they're messing with me, but God is saying I, I, I need to tweak the way you live. You need to be thinking in terms of how can I serve at home? How can I serve when I'm with somebody? What can I do, and it crescendished them, I'm not saying I would do it, it would be the Holy Spirit that would be doing it through me, but what, what can I allow God to do through me in this particular situation instead of trying to get away from the situation? And so, um, 
I don't often do this, but I got something I felt like I was supposed to read. However, if we walk close to God, obey what he says, and minister unto the Spirit's anointing, if we do what we do in order to serve others, lead them to Christ, help them in crisis, build them in the faith, we will find that little things, even like Pastor and Mrs. Young did for us, having a tremendous impact. Do we want to live a life that says, I can do what I want while I'm on earth? And it won't matter, because I'm going to heaven. Remember Hezekiah when he was told that the Babylonians were going to come in and take over Israel after he died? And he said, oh, well, won't happen in my lifetime. How do we want to walk? Just want to conclude with a few things that I'm praying for this year for myself. I really want to get a greater revelation of who God is. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John, at the end of the book, John says, here's why I wrote what I wrote. He did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Salvation issue. I wrote them so people would get saved. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Whenever we hear the the name of Jesus, the name of God, or the name mentioned in scripture, it generally means that God has revealed himself to us in some way that's become indelibly etched in our heart that it will never go away. Abraham understood God was the provider when God provided a ram, not tekels, but a ram. Moses understood that God was the healing when he threw a stick into the water and, and water that wasn't, pal- wasn't uh, able to be drunk, drink, you know what I mean, uh, uh, is, uh, was safe to drink. We want to get such a revelation of God because it'll help us to become that deep well for ourselves and for others. We want to be that kind of thing. So I'm asking God, show me who you are in the scriptures. Let me hear your voice more clearly and then importantly obey what you say. Make me a better servant. Now for me personally, that means that I need to be thinking differently in in the home. I... I hate housework. <laughs> My wife loves housework. I, do you imagine that? I, I just, I, but what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help with other areas and, and with those kind of things? And then seeking to listen to the Lord. So uh, this morning, just as we contemplate what's been shared and there may have been something that was shared during worship, there may be something that somebody said when you were on the way in, there may be something that I said uh, in a message or a couple people gave words that, that were there for them to be shared, but maybe God said something to you and he's seeking to tweak your life to make you a deeper well so that you can become a more effective servant of others so that we can help each other become everything that God wants them to be and we can become that and together we can fulfill more 
than we ever could before. If God's spoken to you about any of that this morning, I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'm gonna pray for you and then after I pray, Patty's gonna come and close the service. But if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Father, I thank you that you make it possible for us to be a deep well and how we need to be a deep well for ourselves to overcome the world. But we need to be a deep well so we can actually help other people with something that's deep and spiritual and from you. And so Lord, you know each of our hearts here this morning, some stood, some didn't, but, but it's the heart. It doesn't matter whether we're standing or not. That we want to be used of you in every way that you want us to be. And so Lord, come upon us by the Holy Spirit in greater measure. Come upon us and help us to break free of things that, ah, they may be okay, but there's better things that we could be doing to advance your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that you would just come upon us and make us who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John. That was definitely a challenge from the Holy Spirit as we opened wide our hearts to receive from him. So he already prayed and asked for us to um, rededicate, commit, analyze, challenge, whatever the Lord spoke to each one of our lives. So we can just depart now with that message and let the Holy Spirit continue to burn it in our hearts that it would not just be hearers of the word, but doers and let the Holy Spirit just check us and, and reveal to us those things in our lives beneficial mastered, constructive, what is there that needs to be there and what is there that doesn't need to be there. And I love the way he concluded that we would get a deeper, deeper revelation of who the great I am is, because as we understand who he is, we understand who he's called us to be. And that's the only way we can minister to the world around us. So go in peace and may the grace of the Lord be upon you.